We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host. Uh, just me and Alex today, as, as Tyler is uh, preparing for some stuff with his master's degree. So uh, just going to be the two of us. Tyler will be back on Saturday for our usual Saturday show. That being said, Alex, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing good tonight. And even though Tyler is out, uh, he gets as many first team reps as Storm Norton. So, you know, even <laughs> if he's out, uh, he's still with us today. Yeah, I absolutely have to talk about that situation among the other situations as we uh, prepare for the upcoming game between the Chargers and the 49ers. Um, quick shout out, of course, to Tyler's mom already hitting us up with the super sticker. Always appreciate that. Um, and yeah, we'll dive into, uh, as we always do the latest around the injury news. Uh, we have not been on the show obviously since Austin Johnson officially declared out for the season, uh, and in a corresponding move, obviously brain Fajoko is signed to the active roster. Um, so first and foremost, man, I mean, Austin Johnson, you know, one of the more underrated players on this team, you know, it's a torn MCL, a fracture kneecap. Obviously, hope that he's able to uh, recover fully from this injury. But man, just such a big loss. And like I said on Twitter, you know, it, it's a loss that's not going to get a lot of headlines. But um, he really has done a tremendous job, along with Sebastian Joseph Day, of of kind of transforming the Chargers' defensive line. And like I said, you know, uh, hopefully he's able to recover from this injury and uh, come back strong next year. 
Yeah, no, I mean, this is a big loss for the Chargers. About as big as you could get kind of in the interior defensive line, aside from Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, positive is you're bringing up Braden Fajoko, who, let's be honest, should have been on the roster from day one anyway, but not, right. much, not much more to say on that. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, this is a big loss for the Chargers in terms of a team that right now is already struggling to stop the run game, um, has had the issues that it has had already, uh, and Austin Johnson was one of the lone bright spots in terms of, you know, trying to craft the run defense on the interior. It's why the, they were, you know, a lot of teams are running towards the edges. Uh, and so for this to happen is, is a pretty devastating blow. Um, and the injuries just kind of keep piling up. Um, it's not one that I don't think the Chargers, you know, can't recover from per se in terms of trying to get value out of Fajoko and Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, and trying to plug the holes there, but um, it's going to make you know that interior line depth thinner than it already was, and it's going to ask for a lot out of somebody like Braden Vahoko, who's now in the active roster, as well as even more out of Sebastian Joseph Day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the depth is going to have to step up, and I, I feel good about the depth. This is one of the few positions on the Chargers where you know I feel okay about their ability to you know weather an injury. So. Um, I assume that Christian Covington is going to be kind of taking on the starter role, um, you know, for this team going forward. But it's going to be more of Otito Aguonia as well and more from Morgan Fox. And we'll we'll see about Brain Folk. I mean, I would love for him to get his chance, but um, I still think it's going to be Covington and some kind of combination of Covington and Aguonia, um, you know, going forward. And, and, you know, I've been hard on Christian Covington. I, I you know, I, I felt like Fajoka was the right decision there, but. You know, Christian Covington has played well in his opportunities, had a good, had a good game on Sunday against the Falcons in, in limited opportunities as well. So it's going to be a combination of players. But like I said, I, I feel uh, good about the depth at this at this position, which is a, a rare uh, case these days. For sure. Uh, definitely something you feel better than maybe before this season. And, you know, to, in fairness to Christian Covington, had the big fourth and two stop to you know, uh, stop the bleeding, so to speak, against Houston. Um, but, you know, so he, he could play. He's an NFL veteran, obviously. Um, but, yeah, just to rely more heavily on him and a Braden Poco that obviously has not played all season, you know, in addition to what they were already dealing with on the edges, um, just a big loss for the line. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the other injuries, um, you know, I was hoping for more of a, a firm update on Mike Williams and Joey Bosa didn't really get one today from Brandon Staley. Uh, Keenan Allen still considered day to day did not practice. Uh, sounds like he's still at least a week away from returning to the field. Um, and then the one that we talked about at, briefly at the start of the show, uh, Trey Pipkins dealing with an MCL injury. Um, Brandon Staley said that he's going to be essentially a game time decision. He did not practice today at all. Uh, and then Daniel Popper throws us one of the bigger curveballs I can remember and says that Foster Serrell is uh, taking first team reps and not Storm Norton. So uh, that really I was I was mad. Honestly, I was like so frustrated when I saw that tweet. And of course, it could totally mean nothing uh, by Sunday if Trey Pipkins is able to play. But I'm just like, what are we what are we doing with Storm Norton at this point? He He can't start. When both both of the starting tackles are injured and you have to go from him 
to the practice squad, Foster Serrell, who struggled in the preseason as a backup offensive tackle. It makes no sense to me what is happening. And everybody keeps on saying to me, like, oh, he can't be worse than Storm. No, he can. We have visual evidence of this happening in the preseason when Foster Serrell, you know, had a pass blocking efficiency rating below 95, which is really bad against practice squad players. So, like, throwing him to the wolves against Nick Bosa isn't really exactly something I would be too interested in seeing. So I understand not playing Storm Norton over Jamari Salyer, but what are we doing at this point if he can't play over Foster Serrell from the practice squad? Yeah. Um, okay. Keenan, Mike, yeah, they're not coming back for a while. Are <laughs> we not coming back for I know, a I kinda, while? I kind of zoomed through that. Before, yeah, 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 whatever. This is the one to talk about because, like, first of all, you know, the Chargers told us in the preseason, oh, Trey versus Storm, that's a competition. This is going to be a starter spot. Here we go. And you're not going to play him over Foster Sarrell. You're telling us everything in the preseason was basically bullshit. <laughs> antics. <laughs> like, antics, right? They wanted to start Trey Pipkins the whole time since last year, which has been a great decision. Trey Pipkins has been a great starter. But you basically, from the end of last year in that Raiders game, decided that Storm Norton was unplayable and yet he's this team's swing tackle still if something happens to Foster Sarrell can't believe I'm saying that if something happens to Foster Sarrell on Sunday they're going to put Storm Norton for in the game for 40 50 snaps right like if something happens to uh, Jamari Salier on the other side of the offensive line depending on when it happens in the game you know Storm Norton's gonna have to come in in relief so how do you simultaneously say, okay, we trust this guy to come in as a swing tackle if somebody gets hurt, but we also don't trust him to start a game, right? Like, it shouldn't matter whether Storm Norton is playing eight snaps or 80 snaps. Like, it should just be like, okay, we trust this guy or we don't. And so right. it's it, it's pretty, like, bad. Like, And, and we could talk about Storm Norton and, and how that reflects on him. But for me, it's just about this coaching staff and the offensive line coaching because if you were serious about the Raiders game and you were like, Hey, we just can't put him on the field anymore because we'll lose our jobs. If we put him on the field, why was he ever, you know, like basically offensive tackle three to start the season. And now you're telling us he's basically offensive tackle like 11 and we don't play him, <laughs> you know, for foster. And, and again, like you said, Steven, it can get worse because foster. Sarrell's probably not as good as storm Gordon. But yeah. the coaching staff is so horrified by what they saw from Storm Gordon last year <laughs> that they are willing to play Foster Sarah all over him. Jamari Salier, I get it because, you know, he was your premium pick. We all agree that he probably should have gone, you know, higher than he did because of the injury. Um, but this is, you know, A, telling you how they really feel about Storm Gordon, but B, you know, it just makes everything in the preseason and the run up to this and not finding a swing tackle, not finding tackle depth, either through the draft, either through free agency, whatever they wanted to do, look a whole lot worse um, if you're not trusting Storm Norton to start over Foster Serrell. Uh, so this, more than anything else, just raises so many questions about the Chargers decision making process and whatever the hell is going on in the offensive line room. Yeah, man, the whole process has just been incredibly frustrating and you know, they never outright came in, out, came out and said it, of course. Right. But the whole the whole messaging in the in the summer was, you know, we didn't basically they were telling us, you know, they didn't sign any kind of veteran depth because they trusted Trey and Storm, like both of them. 
you know, one was going to be the starter and one was going to be swing tackle. And they felt really good about that situation. Um, and then, of course, you, you bring in Jamari Salyer, who they drafted as a guard. Um, and then the instant that you see Storm Norton back out there for Rashawn Slater, it's like, OK, we're going to go with a guy who we've been playing at guard all summer long. And to me, like that should have brought up the, you know, the warning signs, the flashing red signs like, OK, we need to go address the backup swing tackle spot. Because we clearly don't trust Storm Norton. That was six weeks ago. Six weeks ago. You've had six weeks to go out and find a backup that you trust to prepare for this same kind of situation. Trey Pipkins has been playing injured with his sprained MCL, and they still did nothing. And I understand, like, it's hard for guys to come in and work into the new system and things like that. But Nothing. The, the 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 alternative is going to Foster Serrell from the practice squad over Storm Norton. I just, it's incredibly frustrating to sit here and watch them do nothing, and then head into the most difficult stretch of the season. And in this particular game, like whoever is playing right tackle is going to be blocking Nick Bosa and Samson Ebukam and Charles Omenihu and Drake Jackson, who are all four really good edge rushers. Like this, it's. Whoever's playing right tackle is going to have a tough game, right? But if this is Foster Serrell, like we're talking like 15 pressures minimum for me in terms of expectations if he's the starting right tackle. And that's just not a situation that I have any interest in watching. And it's not a situation where I feel comfortable about winning this game. And it, I already didn't feel comfortable about winning this game. Yeah, no, I mean, this is just... Quite the decision, and like you said, it's also it's also about the matchup, right? If you throw Foster Sarrell out there against, I don't know, like a, a team that has like a bottom like ten edge group, that's one thing. You're throwing Foster Sarrell to the Wolves against Nick fucking Bosa, <laughs> like what right. are we supposed to say? Um, and so it it's just it's a weird feeling because again, they just got flexed back into Sunday Night Football, which we didn't talk about, but you're gonna have back to back weeks potentially depending on Trey Pippen himself of Foster Sarrell starting at right tackle. Um, and, and it's just, it's going to be really tough to watch. Um, I, I hope for the best, obviously best of luck to Foster Sarrell, but you know, that this happening on the offensive line, the storm Norton stuff, everything dating back to the end of last season, the preseason, not using draft capital or free agency capital to address the position and then being here now, um just sucks yeah i mean i just like i i don't understand how we got here in, into the situation with storm norton where he's the unquestioned swing tackle behind brian bulaga and now he can't even play ahead of foster Serrell. so just mind-numbingly frustrated at this point to to see how this is uh going on so um had a super chat earlier from tyler i don't know if he's still watching or not um, but I'm sure a lot of people are wondering about the pumpkin pie. I went to Costco today. I, I really did. They didn't have any pumpkin pies yet. So uh, I assume that's going to be a weekend thing for me. I'll go again on Saturday when I have some more time. So uh, unfortunately, you know, I haven't been able to, to go get some pumpkin pie, but it will happen before the game on Sunday. Which Costco did you go to? Do we have any Fresno area listeners <laughs> who can validate whether or not the pumpkin pie was, there was the truly <laughs> out of stock or if Steven is bullshitting? We we need, you know, like they have the poll election watchers. We need the pumpkin pie watchers <laughs> to see whether Steven's telling the truth or not. 
I have the worst poker face ever. So if I were lying, I feel like people wouldn't know. Um, but I went to Shaw and uh, I think that's Clovis Avenue for those who are in the area. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, we'll dive in now to our usual uh, deep dive conversation about the uh, opposition this week. Obviously, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and, you know, we're not going to kind of separate it like we do when there's the three of us. So we're just going to kind of bounce back and forth here between Alex and I. Um, first and foremost, talking about the 49ers coaching staff. So um, there's been a ton of turnover with Cal Shanahan and his staff over the last two years. I mean, that's kind of what happens, right? Robert Sala gets hired as a head coach. Mike McDaniel gets hired as a head coach. And there's a lot of moving parts. So he's been the head coach of the 49ers since 2017. Um, currently, D'Amico Ryans is his defensive coordinator. Very hot head coaching candidate himself, probably going to get hired uh, and take some other assistance with him this year. Um, they don't have an offensive coordinator. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is is that himself. Uh, so Anthony Lynn, uh, new coaching hire uh, in San Francisco, is the assistant head coach and the running backs coach. Sounds like he's very involved uh, with the game plan, with game management and all of that for Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and then Brian Schneider is their special teams coordinator, another uh, new coach. So I went back and looked. They had 15 coaching hires this past offseason to replace everybody that left with Sala and uh, Mike McDaniel to Miami. So a uh, ton of new coaches, but it still is the same Kyle Shanahan-led team. Yeah, um, this feels like the new, or Kyle Shanahan feels like the new Andy Reid coaching tree um, at first, where just everyone mm -hmm. ends up leaving uh, and, you know, going on to, you know, their coaching jobs. Uh, and so yeah, I honestly forgot Anthony Lynn was a 49er <laughs> until 10 seconds ago. Um, you but, you know, he's there as the assistant head coach. And obviously, you know, say what you will about Anthony Lynn's tenure year, but having another head coach, Anthony Lynn revenge game. Um, <laughs> it would be very Chargers like, but having Anthony Lynn, you know, in your ear as another, you know, head coach voice who's obviously been in a lot of these big games and moments before, um, I, I think is, you know, well worth having on your coaching staff. We talked about D'Amico Ryan's doing great things with that defense. Um, but I mean, Kyle Shanahan is the terrifying thing here um, for me just because of everything he does creatively in the run game, the usage that he's been able to get out of his running backs, regardless of who's back there. And, oh, Christian McCaffrey's back there now. <laughs> um, you know, and he, uh, I, I just think based on how the Chargers run defense has been, now without Austin Johnson, still without Joey Bosa, um, his offensive play calling tendencies kind of terrify me heading into this game. Um, it's honestly, you know, considering the Chargers where they are as a team, in addition to the injuries and Foster Sarrell stuff, it's why I feel the Chargers probably have a little bit of a better chance against the Chiefs than they do against the Niners here, um, just because of Kyle Shanahan's offensive ingenuity and and how creative he is in the run game in particular, and how much he will go at the Chargers, much like the Browns uh, and much like the Falcons did, and, and not let up. Uh, and he's also a better offensive mind than those coaches and has, you know, higher power yeah. tools, you know, on his offense in uh, Christian McCaffrey and even Debo Samuel uh, to really expose the Chargers weaknesses uh, in the run game. So that to me yep. is the terrifying thing to me about their coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, if you go back and look at all the games that the Chargers have struggled with from a run defense standpoint, uh, it's all the outside zone schemes. And this guy 
is the son of the you know the godfather of you if you will of the outside zone offenses so um kyle shanahan of course had a ton of success running this in in various situations um and you know the one thing that people kind of talked about in the offseason was that mike mcdaniel was kind of the the mad scientist if you will that kyle i was kind of kind of like grooming to be that next you know godfather kind of coordinator and uh was very involved in the run game kyle yuschek has talked about it as well that you know mike mcdaniel would just go and steal ideas from all of these different places and fit it into their specific kind of scheme and so losing him losing that kind of coach is so important to the run game and subbing him for anthony lynn i think was a really smart hire from kyle shanahan and you know for all of the game management issues that anthony lynn had as a head coach like I never doubted his ability to construct a really efficient and explosive running rushing attack. And, you know, if there's one thing that Anthony Lynn knows how to do, it's, you know, get the most out of his running backs. And now he gets to work with Christian McCaffrey. Oh, and by the way, Elijah Mitchell, who ran for 1200 yards last year might also be back this week. And if not next week, and he also has Debo Samuel. So, um, you know, you want to talk about three pieces that you can just kind of move around and, and get the ball in their hands in creative ways. And, you know, the Niners have the coaches to take advantage of those three players whenever they are all back on the field together. All right. So that's the uh, coaching staff. I'm surprised so many people forgot that Anthony Lynn was uh, on the Niners. I feel like we completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like we, we talked about that this offseason, but it's all good. Um, again, free agency, a lot of moving parts here. A lot of you know coaching changes leads to players leaving and coming back in. So uh, in terms of departures, I mean, DJ Jones and Lakin Tomlinson, two of their uh, you know biggest interior defensive and offensive line players. Alex Mack, uh, center who played with Kyle Shannon for quite some time. I think he officially retired. Um, Arden Key, Jaquiski Tart, and Kwan Williams, key defensive supporting players gone as well and uh Raheem Moster goes to Miami with Mike McDaniel they just traded Jeff Wilson there as well and so did Trent Sherfield so those are the key departures and, and additions obviously Charvarius Ward the big off-season one Christian McCaffrey the big in-season one and then you're also talking about edge rushers Samson Ebukam Charles Omenehu uh, Ebukam uh, comes from the Rams and Omenehu was on the uh, Houston Texans then they have some smaller signings Tyler Croft Ray Ray McLeod uh, Hassan Ridgeway and uh, safety George Odom forgot the safety tag there but um, Alex what kind of stands out to you here among uh, this group from departures and additions from the offseason yeah um, I mean really that they didn't I mean other than DJ Jones it doesn't feel like they lost a whole lot I mean you know they lose Raheem Mostert in the offseason and you're like oh I don't know maybe, maybe this is the end of Shanahan's <laughs> running back by committee dominance and then oh okay well Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell find it oh okay we're trading Jeff Wilson and we have Christian McCaffrey now yeah um so I mean that kind of stands out there Shaveri's Ward was uh, someone that I think a lot of Chargers fans wanted potentially as a corner signing prior to the JC Jackson stuff um mm -hmm. and I, I think they Chargers were kind of connected to him for a bit um, but he ends up signing with the Niners. Yeah, Jeremy um, Fowler said that if uh, they hadn't gotten J.C. Jackson, they were going to no. get Charvarius Ward. So yeah, and Charvarius Ward has just gone on to be, you know, one of the best corners, um, obviously in the league this year. So he's really bolstered uh, that Niners defense. Uh, and you get pretty solid like edge pieces. We talked about, um, you know, obviously Nick Bosa gets a lot of the attention, but 
you have Ebukam and Omenahu, uh, and you know they get to, to feast off of potentially Foster Cyril this week. Um, so you know, like it, it, it just feels like they didn't really lose anybody that was like significant to them, um, really, other than DJ Jones, and then they just brought in reinforcements and have not really missed a step. I mean, I know a lot of people will point to their record and and be like they're four and four. But, I mean, this is a team that I think is going to rack up wins down the stretch and still no doubt in my mind that they eventually end up making the playoffs and, like a Kyle Shanahan team, go on some deep improbable run. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I will say Lakin Thomas is a really good above-average guard. You know, it's not that's uh, nothing to, to sneeze at. But like you're saying, you know, this is, you know, mostly they're supporting players, and that's, Kind of what happens when you have these, you know, uh, expensive core players that the, the Niners have had for quite some time. So, um, you know, the 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 defensive line thing with DJ Jones is really interesting because I mean they they're okay letting him walk right because you have Eric Armstead, you have um, shoot, I'm totally forgetting his name right now. The guy they drafted from uh, South Carolina, um, Javon Kinlaw, who they drafted a few years ago. And, you know, both of those guys have been hurt and they've just been plugging in guys like Hassan Ridgeway and um, Contavious Street left last year as well. I couldn't even put him on here. And, you know, they're just plugging along, right? Like they've gone through like five or six, you know, defensive tackles and it just doesn't seem to matter. So this uh, this defensive coaching staff has just done a really fantastic job. So, uh, you know, really a big fan of what they've done in that regard. So it looks like we lost Alex for a second. He's getting his charger, uh, but we will continue until he gets back. So we'll move on to the draft class here. Uh, Not a ton of draft capital for the San Francisco 49ers uh, because of the Trey Lance trade. Uh, That's not going to change next year when they don't have any picks either from uh, the Christian McCaffrey trade. So uh, essentially they, you know, they didn't get, they don't have a ton of production from this rookie class. Um, Drake Jackson, like I mentioned earlier, their fourth, uh edge rusher right now behind the guys that we talked about and of course nick bosa they drafted Tyrion davis price running back from lsu i think he's on the practice squad i don't even think he made the active roster uh danny gray the receiver from smu is he does play but again he's kind of stuck behind the rest of those guys and then really their their best draft pick uh has been spencer burford who's been there uh starting right guard i believe he he's the guy that replaced lake and tomlinson so uh, Burford is really their only starter here. Uh, Samuel Womack, Nick uh, Zakelli, Zakelge, I think is how you say that actually. Kalia Davis, Terry Castro Fields, and then Brock Purdy. Most of those guys didn't even make the roster. So uh, for once, the Chargers have a uh, rookie class that is, you know, producing more than an opposing team this year. So uh, really, like I said, just Spencer Burford and then occasional plays here and there from uh, Drake Jackson. Did Terry Castro Fields make the roster? Where is he? No, he's on their practice squad. Oh, okay. Because uh, I know we both love Terry Castro Fields uh, yeah. prior to the draft. And, yeah. you know, so he'll still have a chance next year to make the practice squad and, and maybe or make the roster and kind of move his way up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this also, like, wasn't a team that needed a whole lot from their draft class, really, right? I mean, the 49ers are loaded as is. Uh, and if you get some out of Drake, yeah, Drake Jackson and Spencer Burford, then like that's kind of all they need out of their draft class in terms of like just getting contributions from two or three players here. Um, Brock Purdy, 
in the seventh round. Uh, let's see if he can start a QB controversy with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo somehow. Um, but aside from that, um, you know, it's kind of a TBD draft class. It's not like maybe the Chiefs draft class that we talked about earlier this season where yeah. they just have so many guys who are contributing right now. Um, and, you know, uh, some of the other draft classes that we've discussed. But, you know, for what the 49ers needed, they got some pretty decent contributors and, you know, they have a stack team on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. So they'll uh, they'll have to uh, make sure they're hitting on those uh, late round draft picks, you know, next year when they don't really have much uh, of that capital. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, sounds like there is a chance that I think Samson Ibukam did not practice today. So we might see a little bit more of an, ex, uh, of a, an expanded role for Drake Jackson. Um, and Spencer Burford actually has been pretty good. So I'm excited to see that one. I know Tyler was a big fan of uh, Burford and Brandon Thorne as well. So, um, all right, we'll move on here. And we'll get to our victory formation segment here, um, which are the things that we need to see happen in order for the Chargers to get to a victory formation, which obviously means uh, coming out victorious on Sunday night. So, Alex, what's the most important thing you need to see the Chargers execute in order to come out on top on Sunday night? Yeah, um, I mean, I kind of want to change mine (laughs) because of the whole Foster Serral thing, but um, I'm going to stick with mine and just say the run defense, um, I mean, has to be a lot better. You have to get better play out of Kyle Van Noy, you have to get better play out of Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Murray, who, you know, has been kind of a problem in this run defense. And most importantly, what the Chargers have done well, I would say, in the run defense technically has, particularly against Cleveland and Atlanta, they've done enough in the second half of games to at least kind of, you know, decrease uh, what the rushing production was after getting exploded on in a lot of the first halves of those games. And, you know, then you force Jacoby Brissett into a bad interception uh, against Cleveland, Marcus Mariota into a couple overthrows. Um, and, you know, you have a quarterback in San Francisco who is not uh, immune to a couple overthrows a game for himself uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo. And to me, that is going to be the key is forcing Jimmy Garoppolo to throw, you know, any possession, I would say, that ends in a Jimmy Garoppolo incompletion or at least a Jimmy Garoppolo play that doesn't isn't an explosive play to George Kittle or Debo Samuel or somebody 
it's kind of a win for the Chargers, right? Um, you, you know, in terms of kind of keeping Christian McCaffrey at bay um, and limiting the explosive run plays. So for me, um, it's going, you know, you could talk about the total defensive effort as a whole, but I think they really have to just kind of lean into, all right, we're not going to let the explosive runs happen like they have been letting them happen. Uh, and we're going to try to put the ball in the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo, at least for some portions of this game. Um, and make him beat us. And if he beats us with Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel on a, on a play, that's fine. But at the same time, they just cannot let themselves get completely destroyed and just say, okay, well, here's an outside zone run, and we know that you have Khalil Mack on one side and not Khalil Mack on the other side, so we're just going to keep doing it because you can't stop us, right? Like, that just yeah. isn't an option for the Chargers in this game. Otherwise, this is going to be uh, a pretty significant blowout. Yeah, I think if you wanted to kind of take that point and just be a little bit more more uh, specific, you could and just say that the Chargers need to be more effective on the edge. You know, this is a, a, a tough matchup for this Chargers edge rusher group, right? Because, you know, they're going to be going up against Trent Williams and uh, Colton McKivitt sounds like he's back. So he's he's not a great offensive lineman, but he's, you know, a solid starter. But then the big issue, right, is that you have George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk coming back and being healthy. And those two players just give the Niners such a significant advantage on the edge in the rushing attack. And we saw this past week, you know, Kyle Van Oy and Derek Tuska and the little bit of Jeremiah Tauchu that we saw. And then the Chargers linebackers were not good enough on the edge. They were not good enough at preventing the Falcons running backs to get to that third level of the defense. And obviously we saw the result, right? We saw 200 yards rushing from the Falcons rushing attack and this 49ers offense. If you, if you play the same way that you did against the Falcons against the Niners, we're talking about like 275, 300 yards rushing. Like this could get really ugly for this run defense. And I think some of it is schematics, right? But I just felt like they were not strong enough at the point of attack. And, you know, this is at some point, you know, going to result in the Chargers doing the their best run personnel package, which is putting Derwin James on the edge. And I love Derwin, but you're asking so much of him to be a deep safety, be a strong safety, cover George Kittle, and then, hey, go be our second best edge rusher. So, um, you know, we put Kyle Van Oy as a dud, and I think that was being generous after watching the film. He did not play very well at all. Um, Kenneth Murray as the backside linebacker did not play very well at all. This is officially like panic time for Kenneth Murray, in my opinion. And so if the Chargers can get right, if they can really, you know, get after and be physical with the 49ers on the edge, then I think they have a chance. And like you said, you know, force Jimmy into obvious passing situations. And, you know, Jimmy's going to take some chances and he's going to give you some opportunities to make the plays on the ball. But if you're just getting gashed every single play on the ground, it's not going to get to that point. So um, my key to the game here or, or the victory formation for me is uh, you got to get Justin Herbert on the move. And this is, I think, kind of, uh, you know, accentuated a little bit with this uncertainty at right tackle. But um, we saw really in, in the second half of that game, the Chargers offense really started getting going when they started doing more RPO uh, emphasized game plan, if you will. And so, um, you know, the Falcons defensive line, that was that was more so I feel like to create throwing lanes for this receiver room for Justin Herbert. 
Um, but I think for the Chargers to really have a chance at not getting behind early, like I think you need to get Justin out on the move, out in some rollouts, and give him some freebies and get this team, you know, some momentum. So this is not a game where the Chargers can come out and start slow and just kind of survive a bad force first quarter. You know, this is a game where the Chargers, I feel like, need to get into a positive game script. And I think in order to do that, you got to get Justin Herbert out on the move, uh, use some RPOs, use some run game, use some zone reads. He's getting healthier. Again, not asking him to go full Josh Allen here, um, but I do think the Chargers need to kind of take advantage of his mobility and his effectiveness on the throw because this is not like an advantage for the offensive line. This is a really tough 49ers defense. Uh, we haven't even really talked about Fred Warner today. Um, so for me, I really need to see Justin Herbert get out on the move, give him some freebies and get in a rhythm early so they can kind of stay in a positive game script. Yeah, um, I, I think that's true. And just going back to last week, last week with Herbert was really the first time that we've seen in a while, just kind of him, you know, moving around, not just being like a standard like pocket passer really since the rib injury. Right. And obviously during the rib injury, Herbert's had a lot of like batted down passes um, and, and just, you know, didn't have his full range of motion clearly um, as an issue. And not that that's totally fixed, but if you get him into those situations where, you know, he it does feel like he's more mobile at this point and is more capable of rolling Absolutely. out to the right or the left um, and, and just finding somebody, you know, that is open uh, like the Josh Palmer play uh, that we saw uh, at, towards the end of the game um, against Atlanta. So, uh, you know, just more of that, hopefully. And also the Chargers are probably going to need more of that because, you know, you know A.J. Terrell and Casey Hayward are not out this game, right? You're going against a, <laughs> yeah. a Chiefs or a Niner secondary, I should say, that is very good um, in terms of the corners that they have, the depth that they have uh, at all those secondary positions. And um, I think that the level of competition that you're going to be playing this game um particularly without having Keenan Allen and Mike Williams uh, themselves uh, is going to be really tough. So I think they just have to get creative, even have Justin Herbert in a, a couple situations where, you know, he feels comfortable running the ball if they want to do that. Um, but yeah, they just, they cannot let Justin Herbert be stationary this week. Otherwise, you know, like we've been saying in terms of the run game is could get ugly fast. Yeah, I think this is going to be a game where people are not going to be happy about the lack of D passes, but it's like, they don't have the people to do it right now. And, you know, watching uh, Michael Banny play in the Jalen Guyton role and DeAndre Carter play the Jalen Guyton role is just, it's sad at this point. Like there's just, there's no vertical threat at this point. Um, so this is going to be a game where Joe Lombardi is going to have to spam the easy buttons and just get into a rhythm and, and, you know, hopefully you get these extended drives, but, you know, if you get into a situation, and this is partially on defense, right? If you get into a 10-0 situation against this pass rush, you know, it's it's just not going to get pretty. So, um, you know, Tyler's been on this about just how the team kind of looks like they're they're coming out and just kind of waiting and seeing how each game comes and, and plays out. But you cannot do that this week. You have to get out early to an early lead, get into a positive game script for both sides of the ball. Uh, in order to come out victorious this week. And I think there is there is a chance to do that. I mean, like we're both, I feel like, pretty <laughs> negative about their chances this week. But with the way that Justin Herbert played on Sunday, I think there is a chance for them to get out to an early. That there is a chance for them to win this game. 
but you just have like you have to come out and be aggressive go for fourth down go for whatever you you have to do right like you need to come out swinging on sunday night for this team to to win they haven't done that in the past few weeks they need to do it on sunday night yeah and anytime you have a relatively healthy justin herbert then the chargers can be in any game that they play but you know the difference will be the margin for error in each game and the margin for error just in this game is not as nearly as much as it was against the atlanta falcons and you you're not going to recover from a fourth quarter that sees the chargers down 14-0 or 17-0 because they were feeling out the game and then they were like all right well instead of the stick routes maybe we do this okay (laughs) maybe instead of foster sarrell we throw storm norton back out there like you just can't have any of those moments where you're feeling out the game um and like trying to do that um they they got away with it against the falcons uh and they you know maybe you've gotten away with it against a couple other opponents obviously in this stretch of games where they have started down by two possessions uh recently against the broncos as well um, but they just don't have that margin for error against this Niners team that A, um, is better than them, generally speaking, and B, is now, while the Chargers are losing in terms of the health battle, the Niners are basically getting all of their players back after a bye week. So yeah. they're reloading. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, we'll get to our uh, key matchups here. Um, I'll go first for this one. Um, I, I think for me, it is, um, I mean, there are a lot of different ways that you can, you know, attack this kind of matchup. But I think for me, this is an interior defensive line versus San Francisco uh, into your offensive line matchup for me. You know, this is not a great uh, Niners interior offensive line by any means. I mentioned Spencer Burford. Um, but if there is a weakness of the 49ers offense, it is that interior group. And if you can get pressure up the middle on Jimmy G and if you can, you know, force Christian McCaffrey and those guys to just kind of clog up the running lanes, I think you can be successful to a point on defense. So um, they want to have Austin Johnson. We already talked about that. But this is a big game for Morgan Fox and this is a big game for Jerry Tillery as well. Um, You know, if Jerry Tillery is playing, we don't really know what's happening there. It was not a practice for personal reasons. Um, but Khalil Mack needs more help, man. Like he is asked to do way too much. He's getting double team chipped and there's no alternative right now. So, um, Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery, like they need to make an impact in this game. You know, if we go back to the Houston game or the Cleveland game where those two were making an impact as pass rushers, um, you know, the defense was able to force some errant throws from the quarterbacks and Jimmy G is not like, he's going to take chances. He's going to try and make plays that he probably shouldn't try. Um, You know, but there were three or four times where um, Greg Gaines would get in Jimmy G's face last week and Jimmy G would just make a bad throw. He was off timing out of rhythm. And then then Rams had the chance to come down with some interceptions and they were not able to do that. So, um, you know, this is a big game for the defensive line in general. Right. But specifically, Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery, I think, need to be uh, on their A game in this matchup. You know, we need to see that uh, top 15 uh, pass rush efficiency Morgan Fox show up in this matchup and really maybe fluster Jimmy G a little bit because that's that's your chance, right, is you get a couple turnovers, you know, get some sacks and get the Niners behind the sticks, and I think you can be okay on defense. So for me, it just kind of starts with the defensive line, in particular the pass rushers this week. Yeah, um, I'm going to talk about the pass rushers, but the ones that are on the edge. Um, (laughs) I mean, like for me, that is this game because you have Trent Williams 
on one side. Um, you know, Mike McGlinchey on the other. Obviously, Trent Williams, one of the best tackles, top three tackle, you know, like in the game today still. Um, and he's either going to silence Khalil Mack the entire game or, you know, depending on how the Chargers rotate the defensive line from time to time, like they did a couple times last week, be against Kyle Van Noy and Chris Rumpf. <laughs> like, so, you know, like Trent Williams is just going to take away a lot of pressures from you. And then maybe you have Khalil Mack a couple plays on Mike McGlinchey. Like Kyle Van Noy just has to be better. Like you, Chris Rumpf also like coming back from injury this week, like they just have to get some semblance of pressure there. Otherwise, if Jimmy G is just going to be back there with a lot of time to throw, then you're probably not going to force him into a lot of those mistakes. Um, and uh, that's going to be like a big problem. Granted, they didn't pressure Marcus Mariota a whole lot either. Um, yeah. But, you know, Marcus Mariota, again, like does not play with the types of offensive weapons that Jimmy <laughs> G is right now. Right. Um, and is, is probably you just need more pressure on Jimmy G if you're going to force him into those mistakes with how that San Francisco offense is constructed um and so yeah i i have a lot less faith in terms of their defensive line this game after watching the atlanta performance and you know just the niners as a whole having a way better offensive line but you know when push comes to shove it's just going to be can kyle van noy or chris rumpf get like a few extra pressures combined can you know khalil mack overcome trent williams or if they put him on the other side can he overcome mike mcglinchy after kind of being a little bit of a disappearing act the last two weeks aside you know aside from the fumble uh recovery that he got against drake london um he's been kind of a you know uh, not a a huge piece in terms of their pass rushing productivity um and it's kind of been a dud the last couple weeks in that regard so they just they need more out of it if they're going to have any chance at establishing pressure on trent williams or mcglinchy in this game yeah 100 on the same page there you know this you know, Khalil, Khalil needs more help. And we're, we're at the similar kind of stage right now as we were last year with Joey. And then, uh, you know, Chenna kind of really picked it up to, towards the end of the season. But, you know, Joey's not walking through that door for the next couple of weeks. And you know, neither is somebody like Chenna and Wosu. So um, we'll see what happens with Chris Rumpf. You know, he's, uh, I guess, supposed to be a game time decision early, uh, this week, according to Brandon Staley. So uh, we'll see how that uh, progresses. He actually would help, really, like he would, because... I mean, Derek Tuska just like does nothing for me and Calvinoid really isn't there either. So, um, you know, hopefully Chris Rumpf can get out there pretty soon. Uh, all right, we'll get to our bold predictions here. Get a little creative. Uh, I'm a little sad that Tyler's not here for this one because I feel like he's the one who uh, gets the most risky in this segment. Uh, but Alex, what is your bold prediction for Sunday night? Okay, but Tyler gets the most risky, but he predicted a 20-point blowout and then completely reversed it when he made his pick on Saturday. So, I mean, is the risk there fair. if you end up cowering out of the pick? I don't know. Um, I'm going to say Josh Palmer has a repeat 100-yard performance and gets a touchdown in this game. Um, they need production from their wide receivers, and frankly, he's probably the only receiver that can has a chance yeah. at giving them consistent production, um, aside from DeAndre Carter on a couple third and fourth downs. Um, but Josh Palmer, if the Chargers are going to win this game, needs to have a big one. And I'll I'll bet on the fact that he does, mainly because I just want to see it happen. Um, not confident that it will, <laughs> but um, here speaking it into existence. No, I mean, that would be fantastic. I, I thought Josh Palmer was so good in the second half last week. And 
you know, for him to uh, to be able to string together some of these games, I think is, is huge for him. Um, and they don't really have, like you said, they don't have any other people to throw to. So uh, this is just going to be a spam Josh Palmer game, in my opinion. But um, I think for me, bold prediction here, uh, I think we get an Asante Samuel Jr. interception. He's been really, really close, really, for the last few weeks. I keep on saying this and thinking this, but um, we're really starting to see Asante Samuel Jr., round into a very solid corner and i thought he was fantastic on sunday with his opportunities against the falcons had a couple uh nice tackles as well um so he's he's really starting to become a very reliable dependable cornerback back there and i think we do see him uh take advantage of uh a jimmy g errant throw and i think we get uh at least one turnover this week uh i think side note here in terms of bold prediction, I've been so impressed with DeAndre Carter as a punt returner recently, not as a kick returner. That's still kind of a struggle. I don't really understand why. Uh, but DeAndre Carter essentially averaging 9.7 yards per punt return right now. I think we see him not touchdown, but I think we do see him get uh, like a 20-yard punt return and, and potentially flip a field for uh, the charter. So those are my two. A little bonus one, Asante Sammy Jr., interception, and uh, DeAndre Carter, 20-plus yard punt return on Sunday night. Potential statue if he can just break off one of those <laughs> touchdowns. I know, man. It's really, uh, you know, they they do such a good job on both punt teams. You know, their, their, their punt coverage unit is fantastic. J.K. Scott, uh, you know, leading the way. I think he's like fourth in fair catches forced this year, which is uh, fantastic, but for whatever reason, that kickoff return unit just really it can't get going. But uh, punt return wise, I've been really impressed with the way that Carter's making decisions, making people miss. Uh, and I've been excited about that. Jack says in the chat, things are looking <laughs> good, but your bold prediction is a 20 yard punt return. We'll talk about game picks on Saturday. Until then. Yeah, I will say, you know, the special teams, uh, you know, they don't win that game against the Falcons without the special teams unit. So, uh, you know, should be fun. Shane Ficken or Ryan Ficken, excuse me, uh, is doing a great job for sure. Uh, Ragai TV wants to know if what we're eating if the Chargers win this week. So I did the well, punishment this week. Somebody else can do it next week. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're going to say it's Tyler because he missed the show today. And Tyler already volunteered to do the punishment if the Chargers beat the Niners on the last episode. So um, put your comments in the suggestions below on what Tyler should eat if the Chargers <laughs> beat the Niners. That's right. We're going to throw Tyler under the bus for the punishment this week. Um, Max D has pointing out if the Chargers go 2-0 and over these next two weeks, Herbert is the MVP. I think absolutely he should uh, get the MVP. On the spot, if he wins this game with Foster Serrell at right tackle, yeah. Um, I mean, he can throw himself into contention. I, I, you know, if he really has like you know two, three touchdown type games where you know he has like 200, 300 yards. Um, I don't know if the the legitimacy of him doing that behind what the Chargers' offensive line is currently or with the weapons, but I mean, obviously the supporting cast has been missing for him. Um. I just wonder if he has a little bit too much ground to make up at this point uh, with uh, Allen and Hurts and Mahomes. I, I think there's probably a little too much, but still a lot of season left. And obviously Josh Allen's health status is kind of up in yeah. the air from a week-to-week -week standpoint at this point. But, I mean, for me, um, the MVP at this point would either be Hurts or Mahomes. Yeah, I think I would still lean Mahomes at this point. Um, you know, there's a lot of love out there for – 
for Hertz and, you know, uh, Tua is kind of creeping into that conversation. I just feel like for me, like if you're not like the catalyst for what, why your team is winning, then I, I think you shouldn't be the MVP. Like, I mean, Hertz definitely has, has earned a little bit more than Tua for me. Um, but, you know, the Dolphins being good is pretty clearly about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but that's just my opinion there. So, uh, Rye Guy points out that he owns a spicy seasoning company. Uh, he'll send Tyler some ghost pepper. Uh, Sounds good. <laughs> DM Tyler on Twitter and ask for his address because we've approved Tyler eating the ghost pepper if the Chargers beat the Niners. Yeah, uh, Rye Guy, message me on Twitter, man, because I, I actually really love spicy food. So if you make like some salsa and stuff like that, you know, DM me on on uh, Twitter at Stephen I Haglin, and uh, you know, I'll uh, I'll definitely buy some. Like I said, I'm always looking for good salsas. All right, that's gonna do it for us today, uh, Alex. Any final thoughts before we head out? Uh, no, I mean, I hope that things change between now and Saturday so I don't have to make a game pick. But then again, the last time the three of us picked against the Chargers, they beat the Falcons. I hope the same thing happens against the Niners. Um, and, you know, just hope that the team continues to get healthier, continues to uh, sort of go through these next couple weeks uh, and maybe at least win one of these next two games, whether it's the Niners game or the Chiefs game. But Back-to-back Sunday night football games. Terrible for my sleep schedule, but good for the potential of the Chargers if they can find a way to win one of these two. Yeah, absolutely. I know that there was like a lot of uh, negativity about getting back-to-back Sunday night football games, but um, you know, it, it's it, this team deserves it, man. I, I, they've bought, they've gone through hell this year, so uh, you know they they deserve some nice Sunday night football uh, shine, but we'll see what happens. If they are able to steal one, I do feel like it would probably be more of the Chiefs game. Um, but you know, beating the chiefs, I think would be such a momentum, uh, building kind of win for them. So, uh, excited to see if that happens. Is the not, last but... time the chargers got flexed in a Sunday night football, the charger Steelers game from 2018. I don't remember if they've gotten flexed anytime since. Yeah. But... They didn't get flexed in 19 or 20. No, um, I don't think they oh, did. <laughs> week 18 was flexed. Wasn't it? Wasn't that a flex game? Oh yeah, last that's year? true. But like they also don't they leave week eight really have like the... unopen yeah so yeah. they don't have a game um, but I think this is the first time prior to week eighteen they've been they've been flexed in since that that sounds that right game. yeah that sounds right yeah. maybe I know well, was Raven the Ravens in twenty eighteen was that that was a Saturday night Saturday night yeah they got flexed on a Saturday night okay um, and the same Network, season yeah. yeah gotcha all right so. Should be fun. Um, you know, I'm really excited about this week in terms of our coverage. You know, there's uh, our Blue Wire uh, San Francisco 49ers podcast is actually a guy named Rob Lauder who uh, actually works at the middle school that feeds into the high school that my wife works at. So, uh, you know, should be a fun conversation with him for the more you know segment this week. Uh, and then Saturday, of course, we'll have our uh, normal normal uh, Q&A segment and uh, our final thoughts and predictions there. Tyler will be back for that one. And then Sunday night, we'll obviously go live uh, after the game. So uh, hopefully we get some more positive health returns throughout the week. Um, and uh, that's really where my head's at right now with all of these injuries and stuff like that. So um, appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Appreciate the uh, comments. If you are 
watching this, make sure and subscribe, like, turn the notifications on. All that good stuff really helps us out. So does the uh, audio audience, you know, uh, subscribing and uh, leaving us a rating or review as well. So appreciate you guys. Appreciate you tuning in. And uh, we'll see you on uh, Saturday for our our next live show. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.